This is Andy Ho, host of the Continuing Education series, a podcast produced for the members of the French Language Division of the American Translators Association, offering educational content about the craft of French to English and English to French translation and the division. Full disclosure at the top of this episode, I am a subcontractor for the company whose owner we are interviewing today, although as of this recording, I have not worked on any projects for the company, and anyhow, it doesn't affect any of the content that we discussed today. But I just wanted to let you guys know. Today, we're joined by Natalie Pavey, a certified French to English translator who holds a bachelor's degree in French from the University of Pittsburgh and a master's degree in French language and culture from King's College London. She translates for clients located primarily in Canada in the fields of business communication, marketing, the environment, and sustainable development. Since beginning as a freelancer in 2011, Natalie has worked with more than 300 clients, and since 2021 has been collaborating with other freelancers to become a one-stop shop for French to English and English to French translation services, which is what we are here to talk about today. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, Andy. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, so I, I, you brought something to my attention, which I found very interesting. And so I wanted to talk about it on this podcast today. You have a company called NP Translations or Traduction NP in, 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 in French. And it's a slightly different take on what most of us think of as a traditional agency. So give us a quick overview of how your business works. Sure. Well, I don't think it looks too much different from the client's point of view. Um, I present myself as an agency as well as a freelance translator, uh, but freelancers know the difference in that the unique thing about my business is that translator, the freelancers communicate directly with my clients through a dedicated email address. And that's usually not the case with most translation agencies. Usually there's a project manager who's the middleman um and the companies don't disclose the names of their freelancers so um my agency is built on a collaboration it's like an informal translators cooperative so i work as a french to english translator but i subcontract english to french to french translations um and i also subcontract french to english translations when i'm overloaded so that i'm not turning clients away when i'm too busy um, so it's a bit risky in that I could potentially lose clients to my freelancers by putting them in touch person to person to person, but I feel that the benefit of attracting more clients because we have a higher capacity outweighs the risk. Yeah, so do you have any parameters in place to um, protect that, that level of trust with your fellow translators? Well, we've I have an NDA that everyone signs and there's a clause in there stating that they can't approach clients for a certain number of years until the contract expires. Um, and I, I work with colleagues that I trust that I use. Most of them I know personally. And I just think the translation world is pretty small that if someone was taking clients from me, I don't know, I might hear about it or it just, uh, the, the, the relationship wouldn't be good. Like that there must be something underlying it that, the freelancer wouldn't want to continue working that way to benefit both of us. So they'd just be shooting themselves in their foot anyway, since the community is small enough. Well, I'm thinking, I think that if I did lose a client to a freelancer, the client would probably be approaching them or the freelancer would be approaching them to work at a lower rate. So in the end, 
the cl- the freelancer is losing out if they if they take a client from me. I see what you're saying. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good point of uh, a good perspective. So yeah, why I did know. you? I was advised not to subcontract um, to put clients in touch with my freelancers because there were there have been stories that people have lost clients, but I don't know anyone personally who has. So I'm trying it out. All right. Well, um, yeah, you hear all these stories floating around the industry about various scams and whatnot, but on a personal level, anecdotally, I have never met anyone, I don't think, who has uh, fallen victim to them. So I think, in my opinion, people are pretty trustworthy. Yeah. And that's the whole foundation of it is you have to trust the people you're working with. So why did you decide to go this route at all? Why not stay a freelancer? Uh, Well, I, at one point I was just couldn't keep up with the work that I, that was coming in. Um, so I was realizing that I needed to subcontract some of my own work, but I should explain that I live in St. John, New Brunswick, which has a large majority of Anglophones, even though New, Br- New Brunswick, which is the province in Canada is uh, the only bilingual province in Canada, officially bilingual. And the population is about one third Francophone. So there's a need to translate a lot of content into French for that minority. And people were contacting me regularly for English to French translations. They were just seeing my my business pop up on Google and they just give me a call. So I was losing business by referring work to my colleagues. Um, And that was my original philosophy was to um, refer colleagues, refer projects to colleagues who were in other fields or who translated in the opposite direction because I felt like they would return the favor. But in the end, people weren't returning the favor. Like maybe they just weren't getting that those inquiries, like maybe they're not networking, so they're not getting those potential clients. So I just thought that I should take advantage of the opportunity of the high demand. Um, And there was also only other one English or French translator in St. John who was very selective about her projects and she doesn't even call clients back if she's not interested. So I really had heard that there was a need. Um, And I also bring a lot of experience to the table as a being an old, my own, as a translator, um, having worked for eight years as a translator at that point, I have learned how to network. I feel like I'm comfortable networking. Um, I have learned to quote appropriately on projects and set the appropriate rates and um, determine the right turnaround time. And I've also established a lot of uh, a network of colleagues that I have met at conferences. So I have a lot of experience and people that I can contact, um, which is my added value. Um, Yeah. So Uh, go ahead. uh Sorry. You talk about, you know, learning how to quote and all these new things. What all sorts of uh, new skills and new uh, explorations did you have to do to set up this business? Uh, Well, I was just going to mention that um, in 2021 is when I was really overloaded and I realized that I needed some professional advice. So I uh, got a little bit of funding to work with a business coach, um, Dave Veal, who lives in my own town. Um, and he took me on because he has a similar business model um, with other business coaches. He's the business owner um, and he subcontracts to other other coaches who work under his company, but they are not employees. Um, so I'm sorry, I'm losing the, the question here. 
Oh, what did you have to do to set up your business? Okay. Um, let's see. I made some notes about that. Uh, well, so I realized I needed a lot of help with project management. Um, just the process of assigning projects, managing deadlines, like keeping track of those, um, and making sure I was being billed correctly by the freelancers for the rate and number of words. It was just too much to track. I was using an Excel sheet. So I got um, translation project management software called Projectex, which is a the agency version of Translation Office 3000, which I was using previously as a freelancer. Um, I also needed to find a better way to manage my accounting because of the billing issues. Um, and I got a grant to get accounting um, consultant services. They set up QuickBooks for me and they educated me on how to use QuickBooks to issue POs to subcontractors um, so that I can easily subcontract revenues and make sure I was managing my billing right um, and paying people by the deadline, by their um, billing deadline. Um, and then lastly, I worked with an intern for 10 weeks. I had a, someone who was interested in working with me. Um, she has a, she's a translator and also has project management experience. So she helped me find, uh, analyze my, my workflows and my project management process, um, identified gaps. And also we figured out a way for me to maintain my translation memories and term bases in Trados without paying for an expensive like agency account with Trados. Um, and we also improved my sales process. I use a CRM now to track um, requests for quotes and to follow up on them. So I became much more systematic in how I work. So I don't know anything about, you're, you're based in Canada. I don't know if anything about Canadian business structures, but did this change your business structure at all? No, I'm still a sole proprietor. And I did speak to a lawyer. My accountant advised me to incorporate for tax purposes. Um, but I spoke to a lawyer about it and he was he advised me that it's not necessary to incorporate because as a, from a lawyer's perspective, the risk is that I could be sued. Um, and then that's when you want you have to have your own business separate from your personal um tax identity uh but since my i have insurance through my through the quebec translators association uh it's like professional liability insurance it covers work performed by subcontractors up to two million dollars um one million dollars each incident per year so it's really he he told me that it was uh sub substantial enough that i don't need to incorporate for accountability purposes so I, and it's just, I can't imagine paying $1,000 to file a business, incorporated business um, tax re, um, tax return every year, which is required in Canada. Uh, so it just didn't make financial sense either. Every year. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's how it is in the U.S. I know you can also be an LLC in the U.S., but we don't have that here. Okay. Yeah. Um so you said your translators who you subcontract to, they are in touch directly with the client. Can you tell me more about that? Why you made that decision? Um, yeah, um, I guess there are a few reasons. I thought uh, it was it would be beneficial more than risky. So the big risk is that I could lose a client once the client knows who the freelancer is. But uh, the benefits are that I 
am not fielding questions, which is time consuming for me. And it's also reduces the turnaround time because translators can ask their questions right away to the client and get answers faster. They're not going through me. Um, and if the, the answer isn't clear enough, they can ask for more clarification. Um, and it also helps build relationships between people so that it's not just me being like the translator has a question and it's just much more personal. So I feel that that's a big benefit. Um, and the freelancers get to know the client more, just their way of communicating. And I think it just makes you understand their company more. So that was the big reason. But you're still CC'd on all communications. Right. Okay. So you can yes. kind of maintain, not necessarily control, but at least an uh, oversight of what's going on. Yeah. And then the risk is that the client could also contact a freelancer when they have another project, thinking that the freelancer will field the project. But um, since I get all the emails, I can intervene and take over at that point to give a quote and assign the project. So from the client point of view, do they understand that um, your partners are not employees? Is that distinction important at all to them or do, does it even matter? Um, oh, well, that was a point I brought up with my business coach. And he's actually, after we started working together, he sent me a couple of things for translation. And so I asked him his perspective on how it went as a client. And so I was like, uh, I don't know. It just feels like, um, well, at that point they weren't using email addresses. Um, but he said from a client perspective, he doesn't care who's doing the translation. He just needed it done. Um, and if you have trust in the company you're working with, you'll trust that it's quality work. So now that I'm working, people are uh, freelancers are working with a dedicated email address. I'm transparent that they're not employees. I call them my colleagues or my team. Um, and on my website, even in the about section, I have their bios, nine out of the 10 people I work with regularly, including you, Andy. Um, uh, they've agreed to use an email address and it's clear on the about section that they are freelancers. Um, so it's clear to everyone, um, but I think that the added value I bring and the reason that people contact us still uh, or contact me uh, initially is that I have experience in project management. Um, I know who to contact for the right project for each project and they don't have to go around looking for someone, which is really, there's like a, a lack of visible freelancers in New Brunswick that people just have trouble finding them. So that's the added value I bring is that I can find someone quickly and make sure they get the translation done, which is their main concern. So how did you choose your subcontractors? You mentioned that you know almost all of them personally. Yep. Uh, well, over the past 10 years, I've gone to like at least one conference a year, usually two. And it's the best way to meet people and start building trust. Um, I don't know. I, I consider the people I work with friends. Uh, ex I, I mean, even the people I haven't met in person, I've had... Um, a virtual call, a virtual chat with someone that I started working with. And I intend to do that with other people that I start working with that I haven't met in person. Um, but, or there they've been people that have been recommended to me by other colleagues that I trust and respect. And, and occasionally there, I have, if I'm in a bind, I'll post something on one of the Facebook groups I belong to and people will 
tell me if they're available and what their experiences with their experiences and I'll assign a project to them and evaluate their work. Um, but I also look for certified translators. The majority of people I work with are certified and I feel that's a gauge of quality also. Um, so what are the pros and cons of this new way of working versus before when you were quote unquote, just a freelancer? Yeah, I mean, I think as a freelancer, it's really lonely. Um, I have to like have double the social life because I don't have colleagues, coworkers that I see regularly. So it's nice to collaborate with people regularly um, who understand you and your work and like you can talk about the work together. Um, so you feel more like a team. Um, another major uh, pro is that I it's more income for about the same number of hours per week if you set your margins right. And there's a potential for unlimited growth, whereas if you're a freelancer, you can only get paid for the, the number of words you can translate. And there's a limit to how much you can get done in a week. So when you're subcontracting, you can subcontract a large project and get a significant margin without putting in all the hours. So um, that was the big benefit I realized when I spoke with my business coach is that if I continued to freelance, I would be losing out on a lot of potential for growth. Um, but the con is that it's hard to get away from work. Uh, for example, I signed a, a contract with my largest client to be available for all the projects they outsource. They have internal translators, but sometimes those two people are overloaded, so they'll outsource work. And I signed a contract with them to be available at all times. So that's a little stressful when you want to quit end of the day and you have to um, assign a project or deliver something. Um, uh, I've also worked with a virtual PM to manage that on two occasions to take a vacation, which is, has been a way to deal with it, but it's another um, uh, cost and they, you need to train that person. Uh, there's a risk, another con that that clients won't pay you and you'll lose money because you have to pay your freelancers. I, it's just a best practice. Uh, and that, that works to the freelancer's advantage, which is a benefit of working with an agency. Um, but it's a big risk to me. And there's also the risk of errors. The, the subcontractors will make errors. Um, but as I mentioned, I have NDAs in, pla NDAs in place and also professional liability insurance to cover subcontractors work. So there are, I think the pros definitely outweigh the cons. <laughs> you mentioned at the top that um, you went for this business model to begin with because you wanted to capture all this excess demand that was floating around. Have you been successful in doing that, you feel? Uh, well, in St. John, there's a, more of a demand for English to French because most of the people are English speaking. Um, so when they need translation, they need it translated into French. Um, so there's been a lot of growth with the English to French side, but I'm still working on gaining more French to English clients. Um, there, 2021 was a really busy year and the work has decreased a bit this year in that respect. But um, I really see the English to French side growing. So that's a good sign. I just need to get more, um, get out there more for French to English clients. Did you consider any other business models besides this one? Not really. The only other thing I considered was not subcontracting, stopping subcontracting, because my initial thought was, well, it's, to actually do the translation is so much, uh, you get so much more pay for it. 
like if your project comes in and you do the translation, you get a hundred percent. And I was just thinking it didn't make sense to subcontract because the margin is so small, but in the end, the more you subcontract, the more you're making. Um, so that's why I decided to not really be the traditional freelancer anymore. Um, and I've considered having an employee, but I'm not at that point yet. I don't have uh, consistent enough work coming in that I could pay someone. Um, and there's also a lot of time management that goes into managing an employee. So I'm not ready that yet for that, but for now I'm just happy subcontracting. So I assume that you personally are spending less of your time translating at like actually translating than before. Um, do you miss that at all? Do you like having that mix? I personally loved project management. Um, hmm. So, you know, I enjoy that. Yeah. But, um, what have you found? Yeah, uh, just it does feel like I'm translating less, but I think it's that I I don't think I would, I'm really translating that much less. Um, I, I'm starting to track my time to see where my time's going. Um, like money-wise, I'm making the same amount as how much I normally make translating because I raised my rates um, over the years and I'm uh, translating less, but making the same amount, if that makes sense. Um, but tracking my time, uh, like I, just the past few weeks, I've noticed that I've been translating 25% of the time. And then the other time is spent with business development, um, like working on my blog, quoting, following up on quotes, um, planning networking events to go to and, and then project management it's a probably about 15 percent of my time um but i do enjoy it and that's what another realization i had with my business coach is that i do enjoy business development i enjoy like getting a new client it's really exciting for me and i like when clients come back it's just uh i like knowing that they like working with me and my my colleagues so um yeah i i don't know for sure that I'm translating less. <laughs> I'm figuring that out right now just to, to know. But um, yeah, so there's a lot of different tasks that go into subcontracting. Interesting, interesting. Okay, I have to know, juicy question. Are you saving all the uh, best projects for yourself to translate? <laughs> um, because I would. Let's see. I have, yeah. Um, but actually the, the strategy I learned is that there are lots of rush projects. I mean, I charge a rush rate. I feel that there's a significant amount of uh, projects that come in that I consider rush, like delivering within 24 to 48 hours. And like about, I guess, probably seven years ago, I started charging a rush rate. But when I was subcontracting, um, so much was coming in that I was like, well, I'm, I'm at my limit and I can't take on anymore. So I have to subcontract this rush project. And first of all, it's stressful to subcontract a rush project. And second of all, you're giving a higher paying project to someone. Um, so now I leave more leeway for myself. Um, I'll take on projects that have more of a longer, maybe a longer deadline to leave room to take on the rush project so that I'm getting the projects that are more high paying. So that's a strategy I've learned, but, um, but I do sometimes subcontract things and I just don't feel like translating. <laughs> Yeah, been there. <laughs> yeah, this is sometimes sometimes can be a challenge every day to get the actual paid work done. All right, is there anything else you want people to know? Um, well, I guess I would 
recommend definitely recommend this business model if you're interested in if you if you like business developments um, and you're starting to feel burnt out if you're getting too much work and you can't manage it um, it definitely could be for you that was what the position I was in but there are, the model isn't also for everyone uh, for example I have a there's a colleague who doesn't he speaks French uh, translates into English and he doesn't like really communicating in English um, and especially negotiating. So he he told me once that he appreciates that I do the negotiations and that's another like benefit of working with me is that he just gets to do the translation. So if you're not into business development or working with direct clients and you just want to translate, then I would say don't don't go into this. Yeah, I was thinking about that because you were talking about all the new things you had to learn and set up and put in place in order to make the, this business the way it is. And I thought, you know, um, agencies earn their keep, <laughs> you know, that that's yeah, a lot yeah. of time and right. expenses. Right. Yeah, it is. Um, that's the one reason I justified subcontracting at one point, too, is that it, there's work involved in gaining clients. Like I keep my website up to date. Um I pay uh, like for my project management software. There are other expenses you have to have. Um, so it's just, yeah, there, I am just doing different work. But in the end, I'm hoping that it will, I will grow. I, um, my, I don't know if I ever want employees, but I don't want to limit myself. So um, yeah, there's a lot to learn and you really... <laughs> have to learn a lot about a lot of different things to make it work. So it's not just translation, which I still love, but I do enjoy learning uh, these new things about business. Well, fortunately, as a translator, you're an expert in research and teaching yourself new things. So yeah, yep. It's one of the great things about working for yourself and you know, um, not being told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we will um, record a, a follow-up episode in a couple of years and see where you're at then, huh? Yeah, that would be great. Um, I also would love to talk about virtual project management because um, I, I find that that's a great way to go when you're overloaded. So another idea for another mm -hmm. podcast. All right. <laughs> Stay tuned, everybody. All right. Well, thank you, Natalie, for your time today and uh, your very interesting story. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate being able to talk about my experience. This concludes our episode for today. You can subscribe to the Continuing Education Series podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Continuing Education Series. You can contact the FLD at divisionfld at atanet.org, visit our website at www.ata-divisions.org FLD, or get in touch with us on social media. This is Andy Ho signing off. Thanks for listening and à bientôt.